I'm Ed Satterfield, one of the pastors, and excited about bringing the word to you today. Uh, this is second Sunday in Advent, as we've mentioned, uh, is uh, focused on waiting for the King. Uh, this is our series that we're in now, our second week. Uh, we're looking at uh, ways in which we can do some wait training, meaning that we help ourselves learn to trust and wait even though we are not yet hearing, seeing, and experiencing uh, the fullness of what Christ has done. We live between His first and second coming. We're looking to Christ Himself for all that He wants to bring and waiting on Him. So this is a season of looking to Him, uh, the one who brings all of that reality to play, and um, we're placing all of our hopes and longings on, on Him. So today we study two parables that help us in this whole endeavor of waiting. And uh, you'll find that on page 7 of your bulletin, Matthew 13, 31 to 33, or you can use the Bibles in the pews or follow along in your own Bible. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in a field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest garden of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds come and perch in its branches." He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. This is the word of God. These two kingdom parables in Matthew 13 uh, present a perspective on the nature of the kingdom of God. They help us see what it's like, how it works that is really going to help us in this whole endeavor of waiting. So there are three perspectives that I hope we'll gain as we look at the parable. Uh, the first of those is to, clear, uh, to have clarity on the tension of what it means to believe. Second, want to understand the trust and trust in the hidden nature of the gospel. And third, we want to have a confidence, to trust the confidence and the certainty of the gospel of God, the kingdom of God. And it's as we grasp those three perspectives or that uh, perspective that sort of melds together to help us think about the kingdom properly, we will be uh, urged uh, to um, wait actively for the kingdom of God. So that's our basic idea today, that the nature of the kingdom itself compels us to wait actively. So let's explore these three, three perspectives that uh, Jesus gives us in these parables. First, he urges us to be clear on the tension of believing in the kingdom of God. Two parables present the tension of the start and the finish, of the beginning and the end, or the results. The farmer plants the seed and has to wait for the crops to come. This chef is going to put yeast in the dough, and they have to wait for it to uh, do its work and to uh, make that dough rise so that when it's cooked, it will have the effect of a wonderful, uh, aromatic, uh, beautiful uh, loaf of bread. Jesus is really addressing the regular experience of our life as followers of Jesus. We long for, we plan for, we hope for, and wait for many things that the gospel uh, presents to us that aren't yet realized, aren't yet experienced. We know from our own experience that when we make a plan or we have wishes that we want to see take place, that there's a long distance between the wishing and the fruition of that wish, between the plan that we might set and its accomplishment or its 
uh, fulfillment. How often is it that the things that we would want, the things that we even work very hard and plan and work hard to uh, see come to pass, uh, don't actually work out the way that we want them to, the way that we wish or the way that we plan that they would take place. Falling short of desired results is so prevalent in our lives that many of us are just skeptical altogether about any promise or any plan. We expect that things are going to fail to deliver, that we're going to fail to deliver. We steel ourselves against disappointment. Jesus is addressing that very tension, that very skepticism in these parables as he presents the distance between the start and the finish of what it is that the kingdom of God is all about. The life of faith is an experience of tension. We read the Bible, we hear the promises of God, we hear what He wants to do to transform our lives, to reshape us from the inside out, to make us new creatures in Christ. We hear the words of the gospel that tell us that He wants to renew all things, that He wants to bring peace and wholeness to this world. But often, uh, we don't see that realized. I mean, that's our experience. We are at the uh, early part of that being made full and being brought to fruition. We know that God wants to hear our prayers and answer them. We know that he wants to heal. And yet, as we take him up on that and we pray, often we continue to wait for that healing, for that answer to prayer. We know that God has created marriage to be a beautiful relationship between a man and a woman, to have uh, the uniqueness of one flesh that's creating something that stimulates life and encouragement and wholeness and love. And yet, we live in our marriages longing for more of that beauty and wholeness. We, many of us, are in the midst of conflict and difficulty and tension in our marriages. And we may pray and long for and wait for God to do something to restore and to heal and to make it more of the beautiful thing that He creates it to be. And yet, we wait for that to take place. We know that God loves covenant children. He wants them to come to know him from the earliest days and to stay in the faith all their lives. And yet many of us know the journey that our children have been on. Even though we've worked hard to plant seeds, we brought them to the church to help nourish that seed and to um, build faith and life. And yet we know our children to be struggling at believing or they've left it all together for this point in time. And we wait for the fulfillment of that covenant promise of God in their lives. We know that God desires to bring to this world shalom and peace. He wants to make it whole. He wants to bring the fullness of what life he created us to experience. And yet, what do we see all around us in our families, in our workplaces, in our city here in Richmond, in our country? And all around the world, we see conflict and tension and turmoil. We see a far distance between what we know God wants to do and what we believe and what has been accomplished. We pray and we wait for God's promises. That's the experience of the Christian life. Corey talked last week about the already and not yet nature of the kingdom of God, that Jesus has already accomplished the victory through his death and resurrection and ascension to the right hand of the Father, uh, and he's accomplished victory over sin and death. Uh, The picture that he used or the illustration he used last week was that D-Day has already taken place and that the victory is secure, and yet we wait for V-Day, for Victory Day, when the fulfillment 
of that peace will actually be realized and war will cease. We live in two kingdoms of conflict. Jesus' kingdom is victorious, but the evidence of that victory still is wanting. Uh, We're not seeing its fullness. Satan's dominion, the kingdom of darkness, has been defeated and overcome, but its end has not yet been seen. Satan and his enemies uh, fight on, desperate, and they continue to wreak havoc on us personally, on us relationally, socially, spiritually, even though their end is sure. That's the experience of the tension of faith. It's difficult when we live in that place. When we have um, a certain belief that we don't see fully realized, it's a struggle. It's often a crisis of faith for us. To continue to believe and to hold on to God's promise, to hold on to the reality of what He says that He has accomplished, that's our waiting and our longing. That's where we live. And this season helps us grapple with that. And these two parables really do give us a perspective on the kingdom of God that I think will help us in that struggle to continue to believe even though we don't see the results. Understanding these images further gives us much help. So Jesus urges us first to trust in the hidden power of the gospel of the kingdom. Jesus uses these two parables to help us see the hidden work of God in our own lives as well as in the world. Both images present the picture of small beginnings with big results. The power and effectiveness of the seed and of the yeast is hidden. It's not immediately seen what results are going to be taking place. You put that seed in the ground, you put the yeast in the dough, and you don't see anything happen. You just wait. And it's a long time for the farmer, Uh, a little bit shorter for the baker, but it's a long time between when you put that yeast in and the results take place. And you don't see anything of that, that results from that initial start. It's a hidden power that's there. It will do something, but it's hidden. You don't see the result. Jesus is providing perspective on the kingdom of God and what it's like to help us believe and to keep on trusting. His message is to expect it not to be realized right now fully. He's telling us that his kingdom is like that, that there's something hidden that's taking place now that is certain and sure, but right now it's not readily seen what that hidden thing will do and is going to do. He wants to encourage us to trust even when we can't see any results at the particular time that we have our longings. He wants us to trust in the hidden power of the reality of what he is doing even though it can't be seen. We're encouraged to notice small beginnings and to trust that those big results will come. The farmer trusts that the harvest is going to come even though it's a wait for it to be there because he knows the seed was planted and that power is going to have its effect. The cook is confident about great bread because she knows that the yeast has been planted and it's going to have its effect and it will produce the uh, wonderful food that's yet to come. Jesus uses seed and yeast as sort of symbols of God's work in our lives. Uh, Earlier in chapter 13, Jesus has used the parable of the sower to tell us that uh, God is the one who plants the seed and it falls amongst different types of soils. But the seed is the word of God and its word is the message of the gospel. It's the message of what Jesus has come to do in our lives. It will not always be fruitful as that parable uh, describes, as we've seen in that parable of the sower. 
But on good soil, it's going to grow to a, a great harvest. The image of yeast is used by Jesus to describe the influence and impact of um, people's lives by teaching or by example. Uh, there are times when he uses it as a, a negative influence, like when he talks about the Pharisees, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees, uh, because he wants to tell us to be warned against their influence, their teaching, because it leads away from what the Word of God wants to communicate. But here he's using it as a positive influence, the impact of the seed of the gospel, the seed of the word, in the influence of what it's done in the believer's lives. So in the church, our influence is that yeast that affects those around us. God's word and his people are the two tools that God uses to bring about his kingdom. And God's spirit is at work in that word. It is that seed, it is that yeast, and it is at work when we begin to believe it and live it out together. We influence those around us. Seeing that encourages us to believe. Uh, I've told many of you the story of how, of how I came to faith. Uh, I had, um, was invited one evening to an open house where there were a number of folks that were in the ministry of young life were living. I knew no one except the person who invited me and uh, the experience of that evening really was transformative for me because as I came into that place, uh, I felt from the very moment I entered the room, uh, entered the house, uh, I felt comfortable. I didn't feel any of the anxieties and, and strangeness that you feel when you go into a place where you don't know anyone because I had three hour-long conversations with three different people that were completely comfortable. I felt their love and acceptance and warmth I felt the investment and genuineness of their uh, desire to know me and be with me. Uh, the conversation was uh, easy, and I was stunned. I'd never had that experience before in my life. And it opened my heart and my mind and my ears to the reality of the kingdom of God. It was the seed. It was the yeast. Something small, something really hidden. Who would have thought that night would be so impactful? Uh, but the way that that uh, community of people um, cared and engaged and loved was expressing the love of God, was expressing uh, the truth of the gospel without words. And I was all ready to listen and all ready to hear. I wanted to be with those folks and continue to uh, be influenced by their presence. Didn't understand it all then, but I was hooked. That small seed had great effect. The yeast of the kingdom at work, small, hidden, but real. Several of us had the privilege of going to Thailand to spend uh, a week with over 100 uh, pastors and church leaders from a closed country, uh, which is experiencing great persecution uh, back in the early November. We met a man there who said that he had uh, absolutely no belief in God, which was typical of his culture. He was an atheist and um, living his life uh, not believing in God. And one day, uh, a seed was planted. Uh, someone told him, you know, if you pray, God wants to answer your prayer. And if you ask him for something, he'll answer it. Well, he didn't think a whole lot of it being an atheist until he was sick and wasn't getting better for a while. So he thought, I'll just take God up on this. And he just prayed that prayer that many of you may have heard people praying. You know, I don't know if you're there, God, but I'm asking you to heal me if you're really there. Guess what? God did. Small seed planted, just the idea to, to trust God to answer a prayer, and God does, and he shows up. 
Well, what happens? The person um, sees his brother who's sick and he goes to him and says, you know, I prayed and I was healed. Uh, can I pray for you and ask God to heal you as well? His brother consented and he was healed as well. So the momentum's going in the family to tell mom and they sort of gang up on dad who's a very staunch atheist and very aggressively so. And he refuses when they ask him, can we pray with you? Because he'd had a long illness that wasn't getting any better. Well, he continued to persist in resisting that until one day he finally said, okay, you can pray for me. And they did. God shows up. A small beginning, he heals. Small idea planted in this person's mind. His whole family comes to Jesus. And you know what happens when that happens? You keep, it keeps overflowing. He keeps telling more people. He's telling people in the church that he used to go to that really didn't help him understand the gospel. And they start to want to come over his house to start to talk about this and read the Bible and, and worship and pray together. And pretty soon, he is an untrained pastor of 100 people uh, leading this congregation. Small beginnings hidden uh, in what effect it might have, and yet great results. Just a, a little advertisement there. You can come back at 12.30 or whatever after the service. We're going to have a time to report on our Thailand trip, and you'll get to hear a little bit more about this person's life and uh, more about our trip um, over Joe's Inn spaghetti and lasagna. But through these small beginnings, God brought a whole family to faith through Jesus Christ, um, started a church, and it tells us to trust the hidden power of the kingdom and to notice the small beginnings. They encourage our faith and encourage us to keep on believing. Through these parables, Jesus also encourages us to know the certainty of the kingdom of God. The image presented by these two parables depicts the inevitability of the results Planting the seed assures the growth that will lead to a fruitful harvest that will bless others. Hiding the yeast in the flour will have its result, and the dough will rise after being baked, and it will be wonderfully nourishing bread. It's automatic and certain that when you uh, make those small beginnings, that the certainty of the results is there in the midst of it. The parable makes it clear that the result of planting this small element will be certain to have a result, but it also tells us very importantly that uh, the result is something that's in the power of the seed and the yeast. The farmer doesn't have that power. The uh, baker doesn't have that power. They're trusting and relying on the inevitability of that power that's inherent in the planting of the seed or in the planting of that hidden quantity of yeast. So as we look to uh, the certainty about the kingdom of God, we're trusting not in our own abilities, we're trusting not in our own strength, but we're looking to God who is at work in the world in a hidden and invisible way often, but who is working to bring about great results. Both of the images uh, bring about the picture of abundant results. Uh, the mustard seed is small, and as the parable describes it, it's going to create uh, not not a huge tree by our standards, but a big tree for the garden that's going to supply a wonderful place for the security of birds to be able to nest and uh, uh, find safety. And this amount of yeast that's put in this dough, it's a pretty significant quantity of dough. And so when it has its effect, it's going to feed over 100 people this wonderful meal. The certainty of the kingdom to have powerful and big results 
that are inherent in the power of the seed and the yeast itself, the, the power that God has and the promise that He's made. Jesus' ministry lived out uh, the, the description of these parables. Jesus' ministry began very small and weak and unnoticed. The King of Kings comes to be born a weak and helpless baby. Unnoticed, unattended to for 30 years, there is waiting for Jesus himself to start his ministry. And even when he starts, what is his method? He calls 12 guys, not the most profound, wonderful guys you've ever met uh, to lead a movement. And every time he has the opportunity to have hordes of people, crowds of people uh, wanting to follow him and create this big movement, what does he do? Read John chapter six. He tells them really hard sayings that end up driving them away. Because Jesus' ministry, even though he accomplishes healings, his teaching is profound, uh, he knows that that ministry is very limited. And his strategy to change the world uh, isn't found in those big, profound effects. Jesus' transforming work was limited and focused on a hidden plan that no one would expect. Jesus knows that the way of suffering, the way of rejection, the way of humiliation and death as a criminal is the way in which the power of the good news of the gospel, the way that the kingdom will be advanced. No one could see how this would do anything positive. It seemed the end of hope for a kingdom of good, healing, and restoration when Jesus died. But what takes place? He rises from the dead and goes to ascend to the Father in the right hand of the place of power and dominion and might because he conquers sin and death. God's wisdom is much higher than ours. His plans seem often not to make any sense to us. We long for results that we think we know and we are all clear on what the need is and what God ought to do and we're really clear on that, but often uh, we don't see answers precisely in the way that we would long for them. Jesus tells us in these parables that the hidden way of God, often by his own wisdom in seemingly insignificant small steps, uh, the way of suffering, the way of weakness, the way of death is the way that life comes and healing comes and restoration comes. His way is certain to bring about the big result of the restoration of our lives and the renewal of all things. Jesus' way and his message is unstoppable through his suffering and his death and his resurrection and his ascension to bring life and wholeness. These three images that we've seen that emerge from these parables, the tension of believing, the hidden nature, small beginnings of the kingdom of God that we trust in, uh, the certainty of the result help reshape our expectations about the way in which we understand the kingdom of God to be uh, unfolding. And these realities urge us to wait actively, working with confidence for the kingdom of God. Jesus' kingdom parables call us to act while we wait. Who is the agent in the parable? It's a farmer. It's a baker. They have to do something. They plant a seed. They plant the yeast. All the while, knowing that that's totally out of their control, that's totally beyond their power to make what they long for to happen, the, the fruitfulness of the tree and the um, wonderful uh, rising and uh, nourishing uh, meal that will be provided. And yet they take a step uh, of uh, trust and faith to plant that seed and to plant that yeast, to hide it. 
And when we do that with the, the truths of the gospel, uh, we are uh, making an active step. Every time we believe, every time we trust, we are actually uh, sort of uh, nourishing that seed or that uh, leaven, that uh, yeast, as we hide in it and as we rest in it. God is at power. Uh, God is at work through those things to bring about transformation in life. Our action should be centered in several practices. These won't be any big surprise to you, but first, prayer. Um, we are to be those who keep on asking the one who has the power to transform and to change. God is the one who takes the seed and makes it uh, bear to fruition, who makes the yeast work. He is the one that takes the word and plants it in a way that begins to nourish us and build life and um, transform our uh, being. He is the one who reshapes us. And so as we have things that we long for, our call is to continue to bring them, to cast all our cares on, on him and to leave them at his feet, to trust that he wants to do what he promises that he wants to do and to keep on relying on him, keep on looking to him, keep on asking as we wait. And secondly, uh, another practice is to believe and live out this uh, journey of following Lord, uh, the, trusting in the Lord's kingdom by living out our life together of trusting and waiting. We are those who support and encourage one another in this journey. As we wait, we can encourage our brother and our sister to wait and to keep on looking to Christ, uh, to trust, to believe that those hidden things and those um, seemingly insignificant things may have its result in great uh, benefit later. We encourage one another as we walk uh, the life together. Then last, uh, we are those who are to be witnesses. That last practice is to be telling what we've seen and what we've heard. This doesn't mean that we need to be uh, an expert in apologetics and have the ability to win every argument about things of faith. It means that we are those who tell what has happened to us. That man that we met in Thailand just started talking about how God had answered his prayer. And it was that experience that began to affect his brother and then his mother and then his father and then many others. It's that small seed of telling what we have seen and what we've heard, how God has been real to us, that we begin uh, to be those that have, uh, are, are really planting seeds in other people's lives. We're ex expressing uh, being the leaven, the, the yeast in the midst of other people's lives. Small hidden beginnings in God's kingdom work have big results. We can be confident in what he will do, what he's promised to do. Who would have known that an invitation to an open house would change this person's life forever? Would affect my family. It would set me on a course to spend my life helping others to see Jesus as well. Who would have known that a small suggestion to pray would have uh, resulted in uh, a whole family coming to faith, and beyond that, starting a church and influencing so many other people's lives. To start a church that cannot be stopped by authorities that keep trying to shut it down. A, who would have known that a suffering, dying Messiah would transform many more lives than he would have ever reached personally? To show a way for all people in all places to find life. That he would conquer death through that method of suffering and death. They would conquer evil and restore all things when he comes again. We are urged to wait, and to wait trusting in the results 
that God's infinite wisdom would bring about through his power of the word implanted. To look to him and trust him when we can't see any of the results and to keep on believing and trusting because those things will certainly come in power, in fullness, and in glory when he comes again. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we do thank you that you are a God who has um, told us many things about the way that your kingdom works. We thank you for helping us to expect that um, we won't see results right away, that we'll have time of waiting where those hidden things, those things that are planted are growing and working, but that they will have their full result. We pray that you would help us to encourage one another, to keep on looking to you, to keep on trusting your goodness, your mercy, your promises, uh, the things that you have committed yourself to, so that we might see um, ourselves held up in uh, trust and in faith, that we might continue to look to you for the uh, certain results of your kingdom. And Lord, help us and encourage us as we wait. We look to you for all these things through Jesus our Savior. Amen.